Alrighty, let's get on to our message. Has anyone been eating rice this week? <laughs> if you're wondering why, that was a bit of a challenge put out by Isaac last week to detox your life, to get back to you know, the, the core of your faith, to just really seek after God. So um, I, I ate rice with curry, rice with stroganoff, rice with... No, <laughs> <laughs> getting back to that and it's so true that sometimes we forget the basics of our faith you know that that love that God first had for us and we we lose it we sort of drift away from what God has and and I just wanted to really focus on on love this week in terms of God's love for us and how amazing it is uh, I won't be reading a lot of scripture I'm just going to be using two portions of scripture that come exactly after another. So it's 1 John 4, verse 10, and 1 John 4, verse 11, as I start to think about this and dwell on it. But have you ever seen something in life that's just so amazing? And, and you walk out and, and you look at it and you're just like, that's incredible. Surely most of you have seen something like that, whether it's a sunset that you look at and you're just like, I cannot believe the colours. Whether it's a baby just being born and you're just like, this is a human being, what a miracle. How did that happen? How did God create something so beautiful and amazing and, and of childbirth? Or maybe, like, I've seen Niagara Falls once and I went there and it's just like, wow, this is incredible. The amount of water going over is so clear and, and, and yet it's falling and it's flowing day after day, day after day, and it's just an incredible sight. But there's some things we see in life that we look at and we behold and we're just going, this is just amazing. I can't understand it. Maybe it's someone who's loved you that you've thought, why do they love me? This is what it's like with God, his love for us. It's, it's incredible how often we don't really think about those things, God's love for us. If we did, if we understood the gravity um, or the absolute extravagance of that love, I think that would create a different heart within us. We'd have this whole different opinion of God. We'd have a whole difference of, of serving him and worshipping him and living for him because understanding his love fully would absolutely blow our mind. And that's what it says in the Bible, that you know that they may understand the love that you have towards them even though they will never understand it. In fact, it's that extravagant, that amazing, that, <laughs> that is beyond our comprehension. We look at it and go wow, I just don't understand this love. I understand it, but I don't understand it. Have you ever been in those situations where it's like, yeah, I get it, but I don't get it? And, and that's what it's like with God's love for us. And I just wanted to look at these two scriptures in particular because I feel that um, <laughs> we're going to be starting looking at husbands and wives next week. But in terms of love, we cannot truly love unless we know God's love in our life. We can love to extents and you know even as Christians we don't love perfectly we love pretty poorly sometimes don't we we're just like hopeless we look at what God has and yet God says I've given you the Holy Spirit and he's going to put my love in your heart so beyond our own human capacity God is going to build something in us so that we can love more fully and in a better way, and hopefully more like him. And that's why I wanted to look at this passage today, because as, as we start to think about this love of God, if we can sort of grasp it a little bit, 
Hopefully it will inspire us to be more like him and the love that he has rather than love our human way. Perhaps maybe we might move beyond our own feelings. But because of the understanding of God's love for us, we get a different sort of feeling. The feeling that I'm empowered to love in a better way, a more complete way, a full way. And when I actually think about God's love, and this is what I want to do, I just want to provoke some thoughts in you today about God's love for us. Why is it so incredible? Why is it that I should look at it and wonder? Why is it that I should actually look at this love and go, I just don't get it? Because it's very amazing how much he loves us. Very amazing. And there's a few reasons for that. So I just wanted to go through them. So I bet you can just bring up our first verse there. 1 John 4 verse 10. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So this first verse here, sorry, talks about something called real love. Who wants real love in their life? Who wants fake love and who wants real love? I want real love. I want the real thing. And beginning to understand the way God loves us will start to really help us to understand that. (laughs) You know, God desires the love of his creatures. God desires our love. He desires us to love him. And that, that is actually quite what it should be, right? We should love God. But we don't often start to think about the reasons why God loved us because if we do, we will find there actually are no good reasons. <laughs> it's true. For some reason that, that God desires the love of his creatures. And, and this is what this is saying. You want to know what real love is? You need to start to look at God and how he loved you. We've got all these definitions of love, and, and even with God, sometimes we get caught up in, oh, I love you so much, God, and it must be really good for you, God, to know that I love you, that, that, that must be really pleasing to you. But this is the incredible thing. God loved us before we loved him. Love totally came from God. It was his idea to love us first, not our idea to love him first. And this is the incredible thing of God, that God's love, number one, is for those that did not love him. Isn't that an incredible thing? That we did not love God. It wasn't our idea to seek after him. It wasn't our idea to go after God because we know that he needed us to love him. It was God's idea to love us first. The reason that you are in God's family today is not because you loved him, but because he loved you. The reason that you are able to enjoy God's love is not because you were so seeking after God's love that he decided he better come up with a plan so that you could love him. We weren't people walking around going, gee, I'm really looking for a way that God would know that, that I love him, but even more importantly, I'm going to seek his love. I'm going to make my life about seeking him. Before we knew him, we didn't have it. God set in motion a plan to restore us to him in his love 
the Bible says, while we were still sinners, while we were his enemies, God chose to love us. Have you ever really thought about that? Think about the person in your life that you hate the most. No one here hates anyone because they're all Christian. But there's a person that, that you just cannot get along with, that you, you, you just find it really hard to live with, whatever it might be. Or maybe they're a person that's harmed you in a very bad way. God's love reached beyond the hurt that we gave him to pursue us in love. And this is love. That we didn't love him, but he loved us. The second thing I want you to think about, that love could even come from someone such as God. If we think about God in relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he had everything he needed. He lived in a love relationship. He had angels to serve him. He, he created the heavens and earth. It talks about how he owns everything. There's no lack for him. He's holy. He's pure. He's the king of everything. Have you ever thought, why would someone in such a high place love me? You see how people grovel and, and slide before people on the earth that have some sort of fame, even if it's not a good fame. They're looking for their attention, aren't they? If you saw a movie star, if a movie star walked in here today, how would you feel? Would it be like, who's, who's a good movie star? We need a good one that everyone loves. Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe comes in the back door. How do we feel? You know, we'd like to think, yeah, I'll be nonchalant, you know. Russ, how you going, buddy? <laughs> G'day, mate, yep. We're on the same level, aren't we, me and you, Russ? You know, we're buddies, we hang out, I, you know, I'm really cool. Um, and I'll just talk to you normally like I talk to anyone else. But reality is that you would probably be a little bit starstruck, all of us. You know, you might get some people standing in the corner looking, oh, is that Russell Crowe? Was that just someone who looks like him? I don't know. You get others that would recognise it straight away and they'll be running away, trying not to get in their way of that person. There'll be others that'll go and talk to them and be so nervous because, you know, he's so hot. <laughs> Tongue-tied, I'm available, Russell. <laughs> Wait, he's married. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it's hot either, by the way. But, but there'd be that sense of like, this is someone famous, and well, they said hello to me. And then during the week, what are you going to do at work? Hey, guess who came to church on Sunday? Russell Crowe. <laughs> he came to church. He's given his life to Jesus. And, you know, I don't know if he is or not a Christian. But let's assume he's not, and he came in, he gave his life to Jesus, and all of a sudden we've got this person that is famous, and they're a Christian, so we make them a celebrity even in Christianity. But you'd go and tell the story, wouldn't you? And, and if someone like that, someone famous, had said hello to you, you go, oh, can I take a selfie? Can I get in the picture with you? I want to make sure that people know that you graced yourself to come into our presence at church. 
And yet we don't have that same understanding of God many times, do we? It's almost like we've forgotten the bigness of God, how amazing he is, that he created everything and at his word everything was created, that, that he's so holy that he can't handle sin at all in any shape or form in his presence and, and yet we don't really recognise the greatness of God, do we? Do you ever ponder on that? Why do you love me, God? You certainly don't need me. It's not something that you require, is my love for you, yet you love me. How great is our God, the Bible says. And so I feel like this is another thing we need to remember and hold in our heart forever, isn't it? That it is amazing that someone like God could love us. We would think it's so amazing if Russell Crowe came up and actually mentioned us by name. I've been following your blog. I know who you are. And yet when we think of God, it says he was with us in our mother's womb in that dark place. He formed us and he loved us before the foundation of the world. Have you ever pondered that? This God of the universe that that is so vast, so expansive, so big, so beautiful, so wonderful, and even of this planet, which is smaller than the universe, yet it's so big when you look at the, the whole thing. A city like Mexico City or New York where you could get lost amongst all the people that are there. A household where perhaps you're the least of that household, where, where no one really recognises you, a workplace like that. And from this vastness of who God is, who knows everything. And he knows this one person. He knows you. And it says that he calls us by name. It's not as though we're just this big lump of a whole lumped in people, but he knows us by name. Have you ever wondered about that? This is love. This is love. We loved him. But he loved us. What wonder in that. The love that God has for us was unsought. I've sort of mentioned this already. But God's love didn't come because we were so desperate to find it. God's love came because we were so lost. Is that not amazing? There's no plan that God set up in response to us. There's a plan that he said he set up before the foundation of the world that he should send his son to die for us. An unsought love. Now what the beauty of this is and what this makes us understand about this love is that if we understand that this love was unsought, we can be really, really, really secure in the love of God. Because it's not our idea, it's his. It's not a love that can be lost, it's a love that never fails. It's not a love that is fleeting, it's not a romance as such. It's a deep love for the creatures that he made, for us. And I want you to know that this is love, that God's love is secure in your life. He is not ever going to leave you or forsake you. It says that his love will be anywhere you go, whether it's the highest heaven, the deepest 
deepest valley that you could go through, his love will be there. In fact, it goes so far as to say, even if I was in hell, his love cannot be escaped. When we start to really ponder that, it starts to change our heart in an amazing way because we are no longer looking for God to be, uh, for, for God's approval to be loved by him. We understand that his love was not sought, it was undeserved, it was pre planned, it was his idea. How can you not be secure in that? Because we are the ones that were pursued by him. That means his love overcame our rejection of him. It overcame our bad behavior towards him. It overcame our offenses that we held against him. And yet his love crept into our life and took hold of us and will never, never let us go. God's love was thoughtful. What do I mean by that? It meant for some reason we were in his mind. It wasn't a random thing that happened. It was a thoughtful plan to restore us to him. A definite decision that I'm going to love my people. God's love was self-denying. When God chose to love us through his son Jesus Christ, actually, can we bring up that verse, please? He actioned that love to restore us to himself. And I think that's what actually was really talking about in communion that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. He put action into place with his love. A self-denying love, a love that, that, that gave, a love that cost. When Jesus came to earth and died for our sin, it cost him. It cost him to give up everything from heaven so that he could come and live amongst us. It cost him to have the whip across his back. It cost him to have a crown of thorns stuck upon his head. It cost him to be nailed to the cross. It cost him to be in anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying with such drops of of sweat that it was like blood coming out of him. It costs him to be removed from his father's presence. It costs him to go to the grave. But he looked ahead and he said, you guys are worth it. Now, is that not love? Is that not love? That someone would take away the stain of our sin so that we could have eternal life, that someone would take our place and take the punishment for our sins so that we could live forever and be restored to a relationship with the Father. Is that not love? 
And when we begin to ponder and think about that love, it starts to change who we are on the inside. God's love for us cost him. God's love for people who were not his friend cost him. But he looked forward and it says about Jesus that he looked forward. He looked with joy with what was ahead because he could see that the result of the cross that he would bring many sons and daughters to glory. That it wouldn't end with him, it would only begin. This, this, this journey of love could now be ours to walk in as well and that's the challenge that we have today. If we want to have those relationships in our life rich and full, then we have to understand God's love and then we have to do something about it. We have to walk in it. So let's have a look at verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. The cry of this passage is, can you not see how much God loved you? That despite us offending him, despite us not seeking him, he loved us anyway. Can you imagine loving others that way? as a person. Because we can read that passage so easily and so lightly. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. And we go to a depth that's like this, when God's love is this. We go to the depth of, oh yeah, I have to be nice to people because God loved me but we don't really understand the cost of love. And that's the truth, my friends, today. If you're going to love well, at some stage it will cost you. It's going to cost you your pride. It's going to cost you your unforgiveness. It's going to cost you your attitude. It might cost your position. It might cost you money. There's, there's all these costs that might be with it. But if we start to think, this is the way God loved, can I love other people like that? It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge for us. What about you? Can you love like God? I doubt it. If we can't really fully understand his love, but can we work towards that? Can we love people when they don't deserve it? Can we love people that aren't seeking our love? Is our love for others strong enough that we go and seek them? Do we love people enough that we will actually plan to love them? Do we love people enough that we are willing to sacrifice something of ourselves for their benefit? Now that's a big challenge, isn't it? It's huge. 
But as those who have been born again, that have received the Spirit of God, we are not left alone. And as I said before, the Bible clearly says that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. This is not a work that we have to do. This is a work that God does in us. Because as God loves us, this isn't just saying because God loved you, you have to do that. It's actually saying when you understand that love of God, it begins to work in you. And surely the result of God's love in in you is this, that you begin to love other people. He's not saying it's a because this you have to. He's saying because of this you are able to. Because of God's love, things have changed in your life. And that is a miracle, God. Thank you so much. So, I challenge you this week to have a think about God's love and what he's done for you. How do you hold him? How do you see God? Do you value God's love for you? If you do, I'm telling you right now, there will be a change in your life where hardness begins to crack and you begin to live for him and you begin to love others better. Now I know that last week there was a challenge from Isaac about getting back to God and he said that there was a great response of people coming up. I just want to encourage you to keep that going. Alright? Today this message, as you hear it, don't let it go. Hold on to it. If you can, go and read through the whole of that chapter. Well, of course you can. (laughs) It's not that hard, is it? 1 John chapter 4. Write it down. Think about it. 1 John chapter 4, where it's talking about God's love. And begin to let that seed grow in your life. Don't let Satan grab it. Don't let your busyness stop you doing it. But grab hold of his word and let it bear fruit in your life. We're going to have our worship team up. Um, As usual, whoops. (laughs) That was bound to happen. It's open at the front for prayer, but what I'm really asking you to do today is just stand in your chairs. Stand in your chairs, if you want, go for it. Stand next to your chairs. (laughs) And as you worship this morning, begin to just dwell on God's love for you. How amazing that it is. If you're not one that normally closes your eyes in worship this morning, I just want to encourage you to do that. Just close your eyes. Sing what parts of the song you know. Otherwise, just let it soak into you. Shut out the distractions and let God's love just begin to burn inside of you because God has empowered you to do everything in this life that you need. He's given you every spiritual blessing that you need. You lack absolutely nothing in this life. But just like everything, we receive in faith. And we grab hold of what God has for us. That's what I'm asking you to do this morning. If you want prayer, though, please feel free to come up. That's absolutely fine. But let God just enrich your heart this morning.
in Jesus' name.